Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of coaches, kickers, punters, and snappers. The Super Bowl is here and you can join the action at betonline.ag. Tampa Bay is the first team in history to play for the Super Bowl on their home field. The Buccaneers are currently a three and a half point underdog in this Sunday's matchup against the defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are looking to win back-to-back titles for the first time in almost two decades. Bet Online is hundreds of props in the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem. Always available online or your mobile device, visit betonline.ag today. Bet Online, your sports online experts episode 20 of the podcast welcomes matt beardall current nfl free agent and former long snapper for marshall university a native of Merritt island florida beardall was the long snapper for his hometown mustangs and in his senior season he was selected the class 5a all state honorable mention this helped to catch the attention of marshall university where beardall would eventually commit and have one of the best long snapping careers in thundering herd history some highlights from his time at marshall are he started in 48 consecutive games for the herd he earned two-time conference usa all-conference first team in the 2018 and 2019 seasons he was also named conference usa all-freshman team an award that was only given to five specialists in the conference this is really impressive stuff, Matt. You know, I've been excited to catch up with you and just keep up with you throughout the nine years I've known you. And I'm excited to talk to you today about, you know, how you got to this point and your plans moving forward. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be on here. I'm pumped up to chat with you a little bit, talk some ball, talk Marshall and talk whatever. I'm super pumped to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, this is a rare experience where I get to talk to someone that I really do have a personal relationship with. I know your father. I know your brother. I've met your mom. Like, I've seen you grow up, man. I've I've mm-hmm. seen you go through your entire high school career and your entire college career and now entering the free agency market, which we're going to talk about at length today. But, you know, you've been a part of my year-round training program in Daytona Beach for the last nine years. And to this day in your off-seasons, you're a regular, you know, when you were at Marshall and you were home for, I don't know, a weekend, it was almost a priority of you to come out on a Sunday and come back to these fourth down you trainings and, and give back and train with my younger athletes. And I'm a firm believer that that's why we've had such success is because these kids, they see something that is attainable. You know, it's a dream to these high school kids, but then when they get to work with guys like you that, you know, have lived their dream and they actually trained and developed in the same environment I think it makes it seem attainable you know so 
100%. you um yeah I, I just i thank you so much for that yeah no it's it's really cool to me to come back and like kids will ask you what's it like playing for college which and it's like i'm a six foot one 225 pound guy was 190 pounds soaking wet when i went there and it's like you don't have to be the special six five 255 pound guy it's there's a lot of normal guys out there playing college football that has a special trait. If it's a quarterback, kicker, punter, it doesn't matter what it is. It's if you can play football at your position, they'll take you. Size doesn't really matter to to an extent, of course. But it's just like, especially being a specialist, it's a skill. Like it's what mm-hmm. you're saying is yes, there are measurables that are favorable, but in the end, I mean, most of my kids, I'll be honest, look at Cairo Santos, look at you. My guys are not uh, prototypes uh, physically usually, but they're exceptional in the skill set, which makes them appealing at all levels. I mean, you're trying to play on Sundays now because you, in fact, do have enough skill. I think the disconnect right now, and you're going to explain more about it is, you know, you've got to control what you can and maybe get a little bit uh, stronger here, Mm -hmm. maybe polish up footwork in in, in this facet of the game. But, you know, I wanted to touch on that. You, yes, you're the first person to assist a young guy, because I think you do know that teaching is also learning. I think that the guys in college need to realize if they want to play on Sunday, go help a younger kid in high school. I'll pick up one to two things every single time. Doesn't matter if it's with you or if it's this kid from Merritt Island, that's a freshman, that's five, seven, 130 pounds trying to teach him, had a snap, I'd still learn something new, different angles, different videos, different stuff I can even help myself will help make me better as teaching someone. Yeah, I think that teaching, like I said, is is learning, of course. But I think most importantly, I think teaching allows us to take ownership of our learning, you know, because if you can deliver it and you can instruct it and you can talk about why it's good and here's the bad, you you own it. You own Mm -hmm. that material. You're not reliant on somebody else for at least that particular thing you're teaching. And I think that that is an invaluable thing because the whole mindset that I have is I want to coach my players so I can empower them enough to be independent enough to be across the world in the middle of a season and make corrections. Yeah, no, you have to be able to make corrections mid-season because going through a 15 week season, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty all 15 weeks, maybe the first week of camp feeling really good, but something's always going to come up. Even if it's like a little strain of an injury to where coaches are switching schemes a little bit, you just got to be able to adapt and figure out, be able to teach yourself and figure out watching film on what you are doing wrong, because it's just such, there's no room for error. You have to be perfect hundred percent of the time every single time and you got to be able to correct little things here and there on the fly and tell yourself why you're doing this let's do this now to fix it i i couldn't agree more and there's not a worse feeling uh than being in the middle of a season and being in a rut if you will you know a funk that you know that you have control of you just don't know where to start Mm -hmm. you don't know where to i mean because you and you have the energy and you and you have the wherewithal that it needs to be addressed but you don't know how to fix it i've been there before and it's not a good feeling and i'm sure you've been lost at certain points in in your career and that's what i want to do my best to help avoid at all cost so that being said i wanted to to shift the focus to you and start kind of when it started i want i want you to give us your background in youth sports, maybe activities that you participated in growing up. I don't care if it was the YMCA, but I want it to be outside of football. I don't really care about your Pop Warner if there was one experience. 
I want you to talk about maybe looking back now, what were the things I did? And it could have been fishing, right? Because it's such a mm -hmm. precise thing to cast in a mangrove. What was it that helped Matt Beardall indirectly become a good long snapper? I think it was honestly, I played baseball since I was five years old, growing up all until high school. And that was my primary sport. I wanted to play in the MLB. That was the dream growing up. Of course, you'd watch football on Saturdays and Sundays, but I didn't play any competitively football until eighth grade. That was the first time I ever played. And it was playing baseball. And I don't know, just little things I can take from playing baseball, playing travel baseball, playing seven games in one week. And it was literally some of the best times of my life playing that stuff. And my dad was coaching and my brother was playing and we had 13 games in one week. And my mom would be in Orlando. My dad would be in Daytona at baseball tournaments. And then it's even fishing just being super precise on the little things. I think the little things make the biggest difference in life and on the football field. I don't know. I've always been super laid back. Never. I'm hard on myself, but it's, I don't let a lot of things affect me. And that's kind of where baseball is. If you mess up a hit, you strike out, it's always onto the next one. It's, you can't take, you're going to have three more attempts in a baseball game to hit and you can't strike out all four times. I mean, it's possible, but you just got to be mentally strong and mentally is definitely going through a football season is where you have to be on top of your game every single day. It's just super, super important. Yeah. I, I always ask people a question kind of like that, you know, what is your youth background? Because none of us kicked field goals at seven, mm -hmm. but I was doing things. You were doing things. Everyone I've talked to on the show had I, every single one of them has been, had done things that they were in an organized team setting or independent sport like tennis, but they were all doing something. And I think what I'm learning through the show is that we all had to or learned indirectly a way to compete, you know, a way to mm -hmm. assess what we're doing, what our competitors are doing. If we're not doing it as well as them, how do we do it better? Um, I just, I think it's great. I think it's awesome to know that there really isn't a streamlined approach here. You know, there, these, these kids at seven, eight, nine can do whatever they want as long as, as long as they're competing, as long as they're, focusing on a skill set that takes precision it takes uh, repetition it takes uh, minimizing variables the things we talk about all the time in snapping and kicking and punting uh, I think that we're doing a lot of things indirectly that are helping prepare us to be all sorts of shapes and sizes you know and do it well mm -hmm. I agree 100 percent and I would even think playing lacrosse in high school helped me out in so many different ways because I went out there the first day of lacrosse trouts never picked up lacrosse stick I was tired of playing baseball and I was like, I want to play this. And it made me had to be more physical, more aggressive and hundred percent helped me on the football field. And plus I was one of the worst players out there too. And it was like, never really sucked at anything before. And I sucked at lacrosse. It took me to like my junior year to get really, really good, but I would just play defense on lacrosse and got a bunch of penalties, but it was just really, really fun. It was always learning something new every day. And that's kind of how I took going into college with snapping. It was like, I just want to be able to take in something new about me, about a different scheme, something new, even about football. If I'm watching practice, see a DB do this, be like, huh, never understood why DBs did that. And it makes sense now. Yeah, no. And, you know, we'll kind of fast forward through the obvious, you know, you prioritize snapping uh, most, especially you prioritize your training. 
you sought good coaching. You know, we can talk about Coach Lippos and you've had you've seen some great people. You've been out to Zoner, but you train smart and training was a priority. And I think that is the result of people like is what happens. It's when I get to talk to Matt Beardall and say, wow, let's talk about your 48 consecutive career starts. Let's talk about what an all-conference performer means. Let's talk about being a preseason Phil Steele All-American. These things are only earned through monotonous, boring, tedious, laborious work. Work, 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 work. Boring, right? No one cares but you. And I, I we're going to talk later about what I think is the disconnect, but I want to talk about this first. Let's go to your first year in at Marshall, your first year in college. Okay. Okay. Well, I read up on you last night and I, I didn't know the exact time, but I did read last night that your the fourth game of your freshman season was your debut. You were on the road against Pittsburgh and you were forced into duty. I want you to explain what happened in that Pittsburgh game, right? Like what, what happened? I mean, was it, was it an injury? to the starting guy and, and uh, what do you credit in never looking back? Because it sounds like you secured that job after that day and until you graduated. So it was Wednesday of uh, the game week and when Tuesday, Wednesdays are huge work days in college. Those are everything's getting installed, game plans going in. And the snapper on Tuesday that was ahead of me, he was a red shirt freshman. He had a pretty rough day at practice. And one of the special teams coaches said, something to him he didn't really like and he left practice and I was like huh this is weird never really thought twice about it what I was like I'm literally in week four of my career thinking huh maybe they just leave practice if they get upset I, I don't know I'm still trying to figure out the whole college thing and I get a call like 8 a.m on Wednesday morning from Doc Holiday. my phone's ringing I'm like holy smokes this is not good at all like there's there's no reason why he should be calling me at eight o'clock in the morning I hardly thought he knew my name he was like, uh, need you in my office in 10 minutes. And I walk in and Coach Goble was there. He was like, uh, Zach's no longer with us. You're our guy. Be ready to snap a lot today in practice, snap a lot Thursday, and you're coming to Pittsburgh uh, and playing. I'm like, holy smokes. And I'm like, all right. That's, uh, I took it serious before then, but it was like, all right, I really need to get in this film room and see what I'm getting myself into. And it was just crazy and it was I have to credit Corey Vedvik a lot being a mentor for me for my first two years while he was there he he just kind of would walk me through what a game week looked like and it was we were pretty much fast tracking everything it was three days before the game and got on the bus headed to Pittsburgh walking in Heinz Field that Friday night I'm, I'm just kind of looking up it was it was almost surreal like I called my mom and dad morning Wednesday morning I usually would talk to both of them after not after practice at nighttime so it was kind of out of the blue for me calling in the morning I was like hey is any way you guys can make it up to Pittsburgh this morning because they weren't planning on going since I was just going to redshirt that year I was still traveling but uh they weren't coming to the game and they're like why I was like well I'm the guy now I'm playing and they're like all right we'll book a t book a plane ticket and sure enough they were there Friday after Friday afternoon at the hotel when we pulled up and it was super super cool and it was it was almost like a dream come true. It really was like a dream come true. Yeah. I mean, that just makes me, you can't see me right now, but for the audience, you know, I just, I, I love hearing stuff like that because, you know, I don't know all of your stories and I, I didn't know that one at all. You know, I didn't know really what transpired your communication in the morning. I just think that's so neat. But what I will say is this, I, as you told me that story, I was imagining the conversation in the coaches meeting 
I don't know if it was all of them, the full staff, or if it was two or three, but I, I do imagine the head coach and at least the special teams coordinator were sitting there, and there probably wasn't much uh, – I don't know how do you say it. Um, they probably weren't very concerned with their, their next guy because they probably said, well, Matt Beardall, he's done nothing but everything well so far. He's the first to be here, last to leave. He really takes advantage of everything. Everything I, I I like that about you is you you don't just take the the football field seriously. You take every component from the film room to I'm sure you're a good tr training treatment guy because 48 consecutive starts. People don't realize that you cover and you have to uh, pat you know you have to protect and things happen in the trenches uh, even if you're not engaging in the contact that occurs. Like it most often occurs by someone falling behind you or around you or next to you. So I'll say this, I have seen firsthand that you know how to work. I think that you're a process person. You epitomize what a process person is. You're, you're patient with your progress too. You're not scared of the stagnant times you're, because at your level, you're going to have them. You're going to sit in a plateau for a while and you're I'm honestly going to be okay with staying, staying at, at this level, at this current level I'm at right now. And I think some young guys think that every day I should be getting better. Uh, and I think that that's really misleading because all they're seeing is the kids put a 60 yard field goal. They may have hit 50 to get one. And that's what they're seeing. They're seeing the one they're seeing the highlight reel, but I've enjoyed watching you through this journey. I think that you've done it because you compartmentalize, you look at components of the, of your art or your snap. Uh, you break it down to the footwork. You then focus on the hands. You then think about weight distribution you know, you do all the things that I do in kicking and punting that I coach. And I, and I really appreciate that because I think it models good behavior for the younger guys. Um, I want you to share with our listeners what a typical week for you looks like. I know you're working right now, but, but I was talking more importantly, like if you're in season, what would a typical Matt Beardall work week look like if it was like a, an ideal week? You had a full week to prepare and you had complete control over how you structured that week. So games on Saturday and Sunday starts the new week and would lift, recover, start treatment probably at noon on Sunday. Obviously kind of eat pretty good breakfast Sunday morning and going for treatment, do the lift with the team. And then after the lift, all the specialists, we would watch the film. We wouldn't really critique each other much. We kind of just would refresh our minds with the game, take a couple notes. And we would always try to finish up Sunday afternoon about four. And then we would really take a break from football then, kind of just clear our minds, let everything kind of get away from the game because practice wasn't until Monday night at 7. So we kind of just tried to get a full day away because Mondays were our, or Sundays were our off days too and get a full day away. But it would still go in Monday mornings, get treatment. Monday was a big school day in college and would start watching some film on the iPad about Monday afternoon once it was finishing up with school on the opponent. And I would always watch the punt return team, two guys in the A-gap, and then the field goal block team, the two or three guys in the A-gap. And I would just kind of watch them throughout throughout the week. But I would also watch them play. If they played, if they were a starter somewhere else, I'd watch them how they played on defense or offense. Just kind of figure out, try to feel them out, see what they were like. Because I didn't want that first snap. I didn't never like being surprised playing football. So Mondays, we didn't snap or kick at Marshall. Uh, Doc wanted that as a rest day. So I would get two full days after a game. And then Tuesday, it was 
lifting, treatment, school, and then practice. And that was Tuesdays were the heaviest work days. Just going 80 snaps on a Tuesday, just really trying to figure everything out, work everything out, and would spend a ton of time on punt stuff too on Tuesday. So Tuesday was a big punt day. And then Wednesdays would still be treatment. We'd lift again and really work on with the situation, situational field goal stuff with the holder and kicker. And I would try to be right around 60 snaps on a Wednesday. Then a Thursday, you're back out of the pads. And it was a definitely a lighter day. And that would be a 40 snap day and kind of just tying any loose ends up, really watching two hours of film with the punter and the holder and the kicker. Just, just never like being surprised. And then Fridays was an off day. We'd definitely try to get when we were travel, watch a movie on the plane. Wasn't a big film guy on the plane. Just kind of like separating myself from football, just kind of taking in everything too while I can. It's Saturday morning. It's ready to go. It's treatment in the morning and time to play some football on Saturday afternoon. I love it. We talked about this the last episode, not about snapping, but about punting and how the athlete knew almost to, to the rep what the expectation for the day was. So counting yours, it's 80, 60, 40, you know, and add in sprinkling, give or take, you're definitely under a 200 snap week prior to a Saturday game day. And I always felt like game days was my heaviest workload of the week because you're going through warmups. If there's anything funky, go through warmups, you're going to take a couple extra snaps. The punter's not liking his drop or the kicker's not liking the steps. You're going to get a couple more live reps in. And then every first and second down, I'm having two or three snaps. So in the span of a game, I'm probably right at 100 snaps, including all the warmups, all the reps on the sideline, plus the live reps. So now you're talking about 300 snaps in six days collectively because you're going to snap your game. and With three true off days. Yeah, and you, I think that's why those are they're so important. And it's weird. You had the same exact schedule I did. I guess most of us do in college level. But even 20 years ago, Tuesday was my heaviest day. And then it started scaling down to almost nothing by Friday, which was nothing besides a walkthrough, maybe just walking the field at my opponent that I had to travel to's field just to check it out. That was my favorite day is going. Yeah, that was Fridays were awesome. Right? To go to someone's campus and walk around, check it out, and just get a feel for it. Kind of, kind of when you start – I don't know, visualizing what you're going to do the next day. I think it's great. But, yeah, uh, I really appreciate that answer. I think that it's important to ask stuff like that, too, because I want the audience to know that it does not have to be the same as Matt's. But it does have to be that structured. It's got to be personal. It's got to be for you. If you love scratchers from the Virginia Lottery, you'll really love the new Lucky Number Scratcher. 32 chances to win $500,000 plus four bonus games. Stop by your closest retailer and check it out. For odds and more information, visit VALottery.com. So now we're going to go to an interesting question, okay? I want to tell the audience that you were, in fact, an All-State honorable mention long snapper in high school. But I don't imagine that this was the catalyst that got you to Marshall. You know, in this age of stars and rankings and competitions and expos, uh, Many young specialists are not seeing the value in training. What do you credit for your exposure and getting the opportunity to play at the next level and ultimately to be where you are now? Looking back on it, college football is full of connections. Everyone knows everyone. Coaches know other coaches. 
previous players to all their coaches. And now someone played in 2010, that coaching staffs now in all 10 different coaching staffs now. And I think it was a lot of hard work. Definitely felt like the most important thing was going to the actual campus, getting to meet the special teams coach, the quality control coach and snapping in front of them. If there's anything I would do differently, it would go to more campuses and snap in front of those coaches. And after you snap on up, they're going to give you your cell phone number. They might not answer you every single day, like every time you text them or a question, but uh, just every week, send them that high school film. It doesn't even have to be off a huddle. It can just be two or three snaps just so they're, they're obviously going to look at it. And if they're interested in you, they're going to watch the film. You just keep sending them the film, but then you get to meet them on a personal level. If you go spend an afternoon up at Florida with the special teams coordinator there, you do really well but you don't care for the way he coached you. All right. I don't want to go there. It's a lot different than five or six Twitter messages back and forth. He offers you a preferred walk on a boom. And then your first day on campus is actually get to know. I think relationships are everything in college football. You have to be comfortable with the people you're going to, but you also have to fall in love with the school. I went through three special teams coordinators at Marshall. And every time one of them left, I was like, how in the world is this going to happen? I honestly was like, honestly heartbroken because Coach Goble was the one that recruited me to Marshall. And so was Coach Cronin. He also coached the punt team. And after my freshman year, Coach Cronin left to go to USF. I was like, there's no way anyone can replace him. Like he recruited me through high school. He's known me since I was six years old. And then after my sophomore year, Coach Goble come becomes the co-offensive coordinator and we bring in a new special teams coach another coach on staff it was the linebackers coach I'm like oh man this is gonna be really weird and that was Adam Fuller who's now the DC at Florida State and I'm like coach Goble was my guy like he was the special teams coordinator would talk to him every single day and now it was coach Fuller and then one year he's leaves for Memphis and now with Mike Trier who was a young guy who's now with the Giants on their defensive staff. He was my special teams coordinator for my senior year. And it was just a lot of change in personalities, but it was all good. Every coach that coaches college football is there because they love the players. They want to see the players become great people and also great football coaches. So it's just really cool to get to know those guys on a personal level and also on the football field. And yeah, they're going to coach you really, really hard, but you don't want to play for someone who, Coaches, you say, like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that. Let's try something else. Like, you want someone that's going to get in your face, going to give it to you. And then an hour later after practice, you sit in the film room and can have a decent conversation with them and say why I did this versus what I should have done. And it's just relationships are everything in college football. Couldn't agree more. And then in life, too. And I think you can attest to that, too. It goes well. Football is just a microcosm of life because everything that's important in football is also important in life. You know, the, your, your teammates, you know, who you choose to surround yourself with. We could go on, but, you know, I like what you said. I think it is of the utmost importance for I'm going to talk to the 2022s right now. These are the current juniors in high school. If you don't have a roadmap this summer planned out especially in june matt knows because i used to be in marshall in june helping out with his kicking camps but june is the the camp month and 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 that's the opportunity where you can spend i don't know 50 to 100 i don't know everyone's different but it's 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 significantly less than getting stars and rankings i I think that you need to go in and and set a tour 
if you will, of like six, seven schools, mom or dad, you know, take a couple of days off. This is for my future and go and meet these coaches perform in front of these coaches. And guess what? You, you go, you'll go six places. You're not going to have six A plus days, but you're probably going to have four because you want to do well. It's important to you. And if you pace yourself correctly, it could probably be more like five or six days. But regardless, I think what Matt said is so important to just reiterate Go to the schools because it's not only about it, it. You might like their colors. You might like their mascot. You might love their coach. He might not be there next year. Okay. You might hate the cold weather, but you've never felt it because it's on TV. Uh, you may not like how isolated you may love the fact that it's urban. I don't know. There's just so many variables that you have to consider. And the only way you're really going to get a good feel is, is to experience it. And I, I love what you said. And I do think it's impossible to go everywhere. So yeah, you, you also mentioned Twitter relationships if you're going to have backup plans, at least have a network on Twitter where the coaches can see your training film that you post often, that it's good, that there is improvement, that there is a structure in place. And you're going to, you're going to capture the attention of some of these coaches too. Um, so I can't thank you enough for, again, every response you've had is exactly what I want these guys to hear. I want to talk about free agency real quick. We've talked about it once in the show before, but I think it's important to hear a different opinion uh, many of our fourth down athletes are currently in your position. I've only had one other free agent on, but you're my second now that, that, that I know and I train with. It appears that um, this is it's a unique situation for each of you. You know, each of you guys that I talked to on the side have told me different things. But but one thing that seems to be universally agreed on is there is certainly an uncertain tea about it you know like we don't know what tomorrow brings type thing so could you explain in a few words the the life of a free agent long snapper what that means to you what it is to you what are you going through uh perhaps you know the uh identification of an agent training and recovery networking like you mentioned prior what are the essentials for you and what's your learning that is is important as a free agent and maybe the the ups and the downs so i've only been a free agent through a COVID year with the NFL, everything was different in the NFL than it was a year ago. The whole tryout process, mini camps, everything's different. And the only thing that I can really explain that I've figured out through it is just control what I can control. That's literally, I know it's the most cliche thing, but I can't control what my, the only thing I control is working out, snapping, running, and eating right and keeping my body healthy. Like I got to be ready to go up when a coach calls, it's not a moment's notice anymore because you have to go quarantine for six days before you can even do anything. But uh, it's just really just staying true to myself, still working hard. And it's just not letting the dream die out because it was a tough year for rookies. I, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I know it was less than five rookie snappers that got to play or were on a practice squad this year. And I know there was multiple guys that have been out of the league for one or two years, got a chance to play in games because they've been there. They've done it. Coaches weren't taking chances on rookies this year like they would in the past where they're always looking for someone that's younger, cheaper, and better. But it was just a super weird year. Definitely, I wouldn't say discouraging, but it was just really hard mentally more than anything because it was my first year in nine years that I haven't had a full football season. It was just super weird when Marshall was kicking off that first game of the season back at the end of August, I'm like, this is weird. And then you turn on the NFL and it's like, you watch the snap. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that better. And it's just, 
really tough. Hopefully things get back to normal soon and people can complain about COVID this and that, but it's one of those things where we're living in it. We just got to deal with it. I, I can't blame me not playing in the NFL on COVID hundred percent. I just can't do that. It's not who I am. I don't want to sound like have an excuse for it, but it is what it is. And just got to keep grinding. It, it, it's been tough for so many of us, you know, in different ways, but I like what you said is like, I think that if we can just remind ourselves that there are 8 billion people ish and all of those 8 billion people, 100% of them have been affected. You know, they, they've had to redirect the way they do things and find ways to do it. And, you know, if they want to, if they want to keep things sustainable, like business. Uh, but I like your attitude. I think you've accepted the fact that you're not a victim. We're all, I mean, if you want to look at it that way, we're all victims, but we all need to just bounce back. Um, so I, I've always liked you for that reason. And I think that that is one of the most important components of success is realizing that we're going to fail and bad things are going to happen to us. Uh, we're not going to be rewarded because we're hard workers all the time, because if that was the case, yeah, you'd never, you would never have downtimes. You, you've earned that. Right. But I have one final question for you, Matt, your junior year. I think it was at Marshall. You won the Gasparilla bowl. Okay. And you beat USF the bulls. In that game, you faced another young man I think very highly of, your younger brother, who is Andrew Beardall. He's a long snapper for the Bulls. Um, we've, we've been training together through you. You know, you brought him up when he was or became interested. And, you know, I admire your relationship with him. You know, I mentioned previously your family, too. You just – you guys are amazing people, and um, it's just been a pleasure to, to be in your lives the last almost decade uh, i'd like to know though if if andrew was in fact listening to this show or if he tunes in on a later date what advice would you give him as a player who's in the middle of his career so he's in a pretty unique situation his first two years he was there redshirted didn't play for two years got a new coaching staff brought whole new staff came in new special teams coordinator and he was super, super jacked, super jacked about the new staff, loved every single bit of it, kind of changed the culture in the best way possible at USF. And then snapping really good, starting to take some one reps, boom, tears his ACL first scrimmage. Just the biggest slap in the face ever. You, he worked his tail off through summer conditioning, stayed healthy all, all summer long, avoided getting COVID, so would put him out for two weeks and, just tears his ACL. It was the most heartbreaking thing ever. It was like one that's the same. It's why do bad things happen to good people? And I just think we're all here. We all have a plan. And it's just, he just has to stay the course. Like it's never a straight line. If it's a straight line, it would be the easiest thing in the world. And obviously his, his road's taking a couple left turns, a couple hard right turns. And uh, he just needs to stay focused, keep getting better every day, keep getting healthy. I think it's definitely not going to be easy coming back from an ACL, but the best athletes in the world do it every single year. And just, he just has to keep working hard and he'll be fine. I think that's uh, definitely what I, what I would say if I, if I had to say it to it to someone, I think it's a tough question. Uh, I wanted to ask you though, because I think it's an important question because you know, I think a lot of people out there go through things, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people out there, again, uh, the victim syndrome, I guess you could call it. It's, it's not the way to go um, because no one really cares in the end. If you continuously just complain, less and less people are going to be there to help you 
uh, solve the problem because you're telling the person right away that you're not really, your intention isn't to solve it. It's to find out why you got the bad hand, you know? So I, I thank you for that. I think it is, it's so important to realize that, that we're not going to go in a straight line. It's not going to be linear. It's not going to go up each day. Um, there's going to be pitfalls for sure. So I want to thank you again for joining. And I want to also ask what I always do. I would like you to share with the audience, maybe how they can follow your progress on social media, if you will. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'll put videos out every now and then of different trainings and stuff. My Twitter's at BeardAllMatt or Instagram's BeardAll89. And if any questions or anything, you can always, Coach Lundy has my number. You can give it to him and just always open, love helping guys and love growing the sport of specialists. I think even from when I was being recruited my senior year, what, five years ago, how much has changed since then? And it's just going to keep evolving. And it's just really, really good for the sport. Teams aren't having one guy on the roster anymore. And it's most of them two or three and super competitive. And every year teams are looking to get better and coaches will sit down and meet all off season and say, how can we get better? They'll break down every position. And it's like, let's bring another snapper. And I think, I don't think we, I think we're an A let's go be an A plus next year. Let's bring a guy in that can be an A plus. And I also think one of the things is the transfer portals, not always the thing. If you're not happy with your situation, certainly there's instances where yes, you probably should leave schools or whatever, but I think you got to do a good enough job in the recruiting process and figure out, all right, if I'm unhappy, if I'm still unhappy, is the pastures always green on the other side? Most times it's not. You just think kids have it all. And I just think you got to be able to stick it out and uh, just work hard and keep getting better. And the coaches will always play the best player. I, you know, I think that's a great point. I've never brought that up on the show, but I, I do think with the increase in transfers and it's, it's prevalent, it's everywhere. It's often, it's almost expected. Everyone does it once. I think it is because there's negligence in the, the thought, before it all went down. Like when I'm a senior in high school, I, I should be really considering every variable like we mentioned on the show, because um, I think some people are just very careless and think, oh, I'm just going to go there and play football and have fun and get treated like a king and I'm going to get along with everybody. But there's there's so many things that could that come into play when you're talking about a, a life decision like going to college and getting a degree. But I want to thank you again. And Matt means it. Uh, he will respond to you if you want to send him a clip. And if you know a long snapper, because a lot of people on this show are not long snappers, but if you know a guy, um, he's very good with the young guys. He really wants to help. He wants to see a bunch of good little long snappers out there because it's, it's, you know, it's coming up, but we're in need. It's an it's a very important position too because if you one errant snap is a loss eight out of ten times at any level, this means a lot to me and a lot to everyone at Fourth Down Focus that you're able to share a little bit about your story. If you have questions uh, related to Fourth Down Focus, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you have comments or feedback for the show, you can reach me Dan Lundy several ways. My website fourthdownu.com has endless resources for specialists and specialist coaches. On social media, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at 4th Down U. That's at 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm at Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus. We'll see you again next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.